Hello and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into The Fire. We're back to Game of Thrones again. Um, Bill is here. Hello. And um, this is the first Arya Stark chapter. So Arya is um, the youngest Stark daughter. She's about nine. And um, she and her sister Sansa are practicing... Needlework as, you know, proper ladylike highborn girls, you know, the whole. With um, Septim Ordain. And I suppose now is time to. Yeah, Septas tell us about are... Septim Ordain because this was something that I had to read a few times and it seems like she is a nun from what I understood. Yeah, she's a Septa, which is. Basically, the equivalent of a nun in um, the faith of the seven religion, and it's pretty much the same, the same deal as nuns. You know, they they celibate. They wear a habit. Um, they, a lot of them, you know, work in a, a sept and you know do like the church duties there, um, and some of them are, like tutoring. You know, noble, noble woman. You know, daughters. And this septa seems to be in charge of uh, the girls, or teaching the girls. So she's, uh, yeah, she's teaching the girls, you know, needlework and etiquette, and you know all those ladylike pursuits. And Sansa's all about that. She's good at it. She loves it. It's. Uh, she fully embraces, you know, highborn femininity and um, Arya, not so much. And her stitching is compared to a blacksmith pounding a nail. Yeah. So they're, they're doing this and um, there's some other girls. There's Beth Cassell, um, Sir Roderick's daughter, and um, Jane Poole. Um, the daughter of um, Van Poole, the steward. And they're gossiping about Prince Joffrey and how uh, Sansa is, you know, possibly going to marry him. And um, yeah. yeah, it's implied that Sansa's. It's very much implied heavily or outright stated that Sansa's going to marry him. And, well, they're, you know, talking about how, you know, gallant Joffrey is. Arya says, John says he looks like a girl. Yeah, to be fair, Joffrey is still, uh, he's what, 13? 14? Yeah, he's 13. And, and, and John is 14. It's, I feel like the ages are something that, uh, should be considered with all of this. Um... You have, uh, Arya is about nine and around here. Sansa's, what, she's... Um, eleven, yeah, yeah I eleven. Was say, I was gonna say eleven, but I wasn't quite sure. She's a little older in the show, but... Yeah. Well, they're all aged up in the show, that's the thing, because, I mean, let's face it, people aren't going to be as interested in kids doing this. Jon Snow is fourteen, and Joffrey is thirteen, so... It's something to consider. 
so Arya is not doing well on her stitches. She's not good at it. She doesn't like it. I think that's probably why she's not good at it, because she is excellent at pretty much everything else that she, you know, actually wants to do. It's because she's not interested. And I feel like this chapter is interesting because it lays out a lot of, uh, a lot of the complexities of the social order that Arya is already clearly uh, breaking just by thinking and saying certain things. For example, she mentions about uh, she how Sansa's talking about John and how he gets jealous because he's a bastard, and Arya says he's our brother, and. That, uh, I mean, she doesn't get in trouble for it, but you can tell that they, she said something very awkward. Uh, yes, yeah, Sansa insists on calling him half-brother. Yeah, but that seems to be more towards the norm. Sansa's very closer to the norm of a girl of that age, a royal girl of that age, and just anybody And Arya goes against that as much as she can get away with. Yeah, Arya would rather, she would be somebody who would rather, like, play in the mud and, you know, like, fight with uh, other kids and, or play rough with other kids and, you know, go on. And Arya doesn't really not. fit in with the other girls, not that I think she yeah. no, generally cares. Um, no, she doesn't. And it's one of, the, but it's one of those things where it sort of outlines that Westeros is indeed a very, uh, it's, it, it, the, the societies in Westeros are pretty rigid and they're meant to be a certain way. Um, so I don't know if you want to add. What you want to add to that? Yes. It, um, in this fandom, it sometimes gets framed as um, one or the other of the sisters being a bully toward the other, or even abusive. And I don't really think that's so much the case. They bicker their sisters, their kids. They pretty much both give as good as they got. No, they're they're they have a typical sibling relationship. What's not, what's different, what stands out is actually is the contrast in society. The fact that Sansa is very much normal and you know proper in society, whereas Arya is going not, against that, which is you know, which even at that age, is it's it's more a, difficult. And even at that age, it's considered uh, iffy. In a number of ways. I mean, it's it's already a socially awkward thing. Um, so yeah, and she she clearly kind of is clashing with uh, with uh, the Septa, and she's kind of cl- she's clashing with uh, the others, including her sister. And the Septa is, you know, pretty stern. Um, She's a nun, basically. Yeah. She's think of her as like an old nun who's not going to allow any, uh, you know, any sort of abnormalities or anything uh, outside the social norms or the gender norms or anything like that, because that's what she is. She's meant to enforce and teach the norms. And it's mentioned that... Um there are a couple of things that Arya does better. She can ride a horse better than um, her sister, and um, this might be a callback to uh, 
Liana Stark, who was also a excellent horsewoman, and um, she gets compared to Arya sometimes um, in this book, so that could be a thing, or... Yeah. And Arya is apparently okay at doing figures, and Sansa, not so much. Keep in mind, they are kids. Math was my nemesis. I was going to say, figures mean mathematics, too. And, yeah, she she's like, oh, the prince better have a good uh, steward because Sansa's not going to be good at running the... All right, that's not... That's not exactly what would be happening socially if Sansa was queen. Um, there might be um, other reasons for a queen to hopefully be uh, good with that sort of thing, but it's not... Running a household, as Arya puts it. Yeah. And as you said, that's not necessarily... We don't know how it's going to be. Sarah saying that uh, math was her nemesis. Actually, when I was growing up, I got high A's in math. All the way up until about uh, my junior year in high school. And then I started getting C's. And then in senior year, I was struggling to get C's. I wasn't all that terrible at it once I understood what was and I'm terrible needed, but math. yeah, I hated math. Um, here's a bit about the dire wolves and um, Sansa had named hers Lady. Which you know, is fitting. And Arya had named hers Nymeria after um, the Roinar Queen who sailed across the sea and uh, helped found Dorne as, Dorne as they know it, basically. Um, so a, a warrior queen name. So they... So both sisters named their wolves things that are going to reflect their own. Both of them like the legends and songs for different reasons, but um, Santa likes the romantic um, romances and gallant princes, and um, Arya likes the warriors. It, both of them um like and look up to these songs um mm -hmm. whether practical for them to do this or not and this is going to be a recurring you know thing through the books yeah so and yeah Arya is uh bonding with her wolf her with her uh, wolf pup uh all of the children bond with their wolf pups um with Arya it becomes a uh becomes a thing later we we explore this theme later in a very different way which we're not going to give away right now and the wolves it's pretty strongly implied that the wolves are picking up personality stuff from the um from their humans yes so lady is you know quiet and pretty 
um, at least by, you know, wolf standards. Uh, she's the gentlest, and uh, Namiria is a bit wild. Maybe she's a bit like my own pup. Yeah, I'd say so. Whose name's Nim? It's uh, spelled differently, but... Yep. Of course, they have uh, their relationships with each other sort of mirror the uh, relationships of the uh, siblings, with Ghost being the dominant one, and uh, Nymeria sort of being the playful, mischievous one. I don't know, do we discuss... Do they discuss much of Sansa's? Um, not without a... Spoiling without spoiling. Not a whole lot. Um, moment. She accompanies Sansa around, including, like, uh, don't feed your wolf at the table. Yeah. Uh, She's always with Sansa. And... Nymeria is more like, you know, resisting getting her fur brushed and... Yeah. And she's trying to, like... Which my dog she, does, she's too. She's trying to, like, you know, sort of play fight with Ghost. And Ghost is sort of just casually acknowledging that. And the boys are um, practice drilling with um, blunt, you know, practice swords with... Um, Sir Roderick Castle, the master at arms. I mentioned Beth Castle. Um, he's her father. Um, described as a great stout keg of a man with magnificent white cheek whiskers. Which, yeah, that's gonna... Yeah, some more about those whiskers is gonna come up later, so... Yep. Uh. And uh, John is excluded... Uh, we, we later see uh, through all this um, that John is excluded uh, through a number of things. Yeah, he can't hit the prince with the yeah, blunt sword. Yeah, he can't. He can't train with the prince. He can't possibly uh, fight or defeat the prince because, in his words, bastards are not allowed to damage young princes. Any bruises they take in the practice yard must come from trueborn swords. So. You can tell it was a little bit of sarcastic. And Arya doesn't understand these things. She's learning these. And they very much explain that. She said that how she's reflecting on how unfair this is. She's reflects a lot on how stratified their uh, society is. Even at this young age. Um, we get this. That they are... Uh, that they have these uh, forced differences. Uh, that are That are made to... Uh, that they're made to adhere to at a very, very young age um, right now. And it starts now, and it's going to continue for the rest of their lives. And she's like, how come I can't be practicing with the swords in the yard? I'm older than Bran. I can do as well as him. Yeah, but she's a girl, so. And uh, what was it? Uh, there was one little, uh, fast forward, there was one little line that, John said that I, I thought was a good one to illustrate. Girls get the arms, but not the swords. Bastards get the swords, but not the arms. I'd not make the rules a little sister. And, you know, it's already again this wake-up call that <clears throat> that this is a uh, this is something that is uh, going to 
happen continuously throughout. And if Arya had lived in like modern times, a lot of this it wouldn't have mattered as much. You know, she would have probably you know gotten into some kind of you know outdoorsy stuff. Maybe got into a sport or uh, some martial arts, and it wouldn't have. Like most people wouldn't have thought anything of it. Yeah. yeah. This is medieval times, and well, it's 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 medieval uh, Westeros. It's the North. It's you know, it's a very strict society again. Where the North is a the, the a North bit is less more strict open, than it's more open minded. That sort of a thing, and you can tell that Ned Stark is somebody that is that is a good point, Sarah. Ned Stark is somebody who probably wouldn't care. He'd be like, okay, whatever. But of course, then you have it's like, okay, Jon Snow is a bastard. He can't do this. Like he can't do the. Like he can't. Um, he can't do certain things. Even if Ned Stark would be like, oh, I don't care. You know that won't work. That won't fly. And some northern houses, um, some of the women are warriors, and it's normal. So it depends from house to house. Um, but overall. Overall. It may be more lenient than the South, but it's still a medieval-based kind of society, and yeah. highborn girls are expected to not do certain things. And Yeah, one house that's different, it's not gone into yet. Um, another northern house, Mormont's Bear Island. Um, yeah. Pretty much everyone trains as warriors because you know, they're attacked by pirates or wildlings on a regular enough basis that pretty much everyone has to fight. Um, so we get more of a whole look at Prince Joffrey as well. So you want to talk about Joffrey because he's... He's Joffrey. He's a brat. Um, they're having an argument over... He wants to use a real sword with a real edge to you know, spar with the Starks. So it's his pride, but maybe Joffrey being Joffrey, maybe he wants to hurt someone. I always sort of took it as that, but granted, I read this after watching the show, so I always see Joffrey as sort of a sadistic person or somebody who also thinks of himself as uh, uh, greater than he really is, warrior-wise. So Both of these are true, but he also, to some degree, grasps that he still has to look a certain way for the public... So I don't think he would have, like, genuinely, like, tried to seriously injure somebody in the practice yard with, like, the master at arms right there. And No, he probably had some sort of fantasy of somehow, like, disarming and drawing blood, but not seriously hurting. Granted, he probably had other fantasies that were a lot more twisted. I don't exactly know when uh, the horribleness of Joffrey starts the way it does, but I do know that uh, 
it does eventually come through, which again, spoiler alert, Joffrey is in fact a monster. Um, and you at a young age, it's implied that he's a terrible person. And uh, this is when um, the man with the burn scars on his face, the hound, um, shows up and he's like, who are you to tell the prince he can't have a proper edge on his sword? Are you training woman here? Mm. Um. Yeah, the hound's interesting because he... I think he's clearly only loyal because he feels he has to be, but he... No, takes, he doesn't like Joffrey. I no, mean, he's he, his prince, so he's got to... He, but he takes that seriously. He takes it very seriously. And... Um, he asks Rob how old he is, and when Rob says he is 14, the hound says he killed a man at 12, and you can be sure it was not with a blunt sword. Yeah. So, of course, you know... Rob is bristling about that, and yeah, he said, "Let me try it." He he he's he, he's up for that challenge. I think maybe that might actually be a better summary of the Hound's attitude. He's probably like, "Yeah, let kids kill each other. What's the worst that could happen? It just means the weak ones will get uh eliminated." He probably has a very uh, social Darwinist type uh, outlook on that. But again, he you know. There's no reason not to believe he killed, didn't kill a man by then, and he's he's a killer. He probably has a very hard outlook on that. Um, I'm sure he'd want to protect Joffrey, sort of, because he's his, he's he's the uh, um, he works for him. But it's uh, I, I don't think he really would care for the most part otherwise about the other children. And. Joffrey, because the little brat he is, um, yeah, he turns to his brother Tommen, come Tommen, the hour of play is done, leave the children to their frolics, and he's got to put that barb in there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Joffrey's trying to provoke people, but you, and it works, but, you know, you can kind of tell if you're the reader that it's like, alright, he's really, uh. He's really just sort of saying that, and he's, you can kind of tell that, um, even though he may be, uh, eager, he's also kind of like, okay, well, he's, he's okay with willing to, like, turn around and just insult and run away, so to say. Yeah, because when it comes down to it, no, Joffrey is not actually up for... A fight that he thinks he's actually going to lose or could lose or he's a coward who talks big as if it's not kind of obvious. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they're hinting at that uh, strongly enough right now. Um, of course, later on, they're going to, uh, they're going to, it comes, uh, it becomes a lot more And apparent. Theon is literally holding Rob back because he's so angry. Yeah, I'm sure that the Hound's probably laughing at this. He's probably thinking, all right, let's let Angry Boy do what he can do, but no, that's not going to happen. And John watches them leave, and Arya's um, there too, and um, he's, 
you know, scratching his wolf behind the ears and um he says to Arya that you know she should go back to her, her room because um her needlework Septim Mordain's gonna be there. The longer you hide the stern of the penance, you'll be sewing all through winter. When the spring thaw comes, they will find your body with a needle still locked tight between your frozen fingers. Yeah, and Arya doesn't like that. She states that he hates I hate needlework, she said with a passion, and it's not fair. And John, of course, says that nothing is fair. He points that out again because, you know, he's the bastard who's got the, uh, he's the bottom of the food chain. He's got the hardest luck of it all, and he's pointing that but out to he's, her. He's, also, he's saying this in, like, a friendly no, he's way. he's saying not... it as a brotherly way. Yeah. He's, he's, he's messing up her hair, and he's saying it playfully. John's kind of taking it in good nature, but I think it's more because John wants to be a hard ass. And he's like, "No, I'm, I'm John. I'm, I'm, I'm Batman. The, I'm, I'm Batman. I'm the toughest guy, and I have it the hardest. It's just how it is, little sister." Uh, sorry. And that's my Bat John impression. And that thing about finding her body with the needle still locked tight between her frozen fingers—that's an interesting wording there. Yeah, there is uh certain fan speculation. Now this is not be, I don't know how much we should get into this. Sarah. This isn't a spoiler. The books haven't gone that far. Okay. Well, I know that, but I'm just saying about like the whole thing about her sword and all that. Um I mean, I I've heard that that it's speculation about uh something foreshadowing that hasn't happened yet. So Um, some fans believe that this is foreshadowing that Arya might not survive the series. Uh, she is alive so far in yeah. the five books that exist. And and she, of course, if you've watched the show, survives the show. And how. And also, I doubt if this is... Um, truly meant but it's uh this gets shared around in the fandom a lot that um Arya is George R.R.'s wife's favorite character and as she said that uh she would leave him if uh he kills off Arya and I don't think that was meant for serious but um it's it's a thing Yep. Well, Arya heads back to her room, and it what it's not just Septim Mordain waiting for her; it's Septim Mordain and her mother. Yep, and the chapter ends on that little cliffhanger. Um. So then, do you have anything uh, to say about this? Ah, uh, well, just that's one of those things. I guess we'll see what that is. Uh, what exactly is going on? But the word, the fact that her mother is there is well as emphasized. So, and yeah. I should say that Arya's relationship with her mother. I mean, of course, you know, Arya loves her mother, and you know, Catelyn loves her daughter. They actually do have a normal, you know, parent relationship, unlike the many. Uh, abusive ones in this series yeah. but Catelyn is still expecting 
both of them to be proper ladies and Arya knows how far she is from that and does you know at, at times through this series expect her mother to um judge her or even not want her over like how much dirt she has on her at whatever point and it wouldn't have been like that it really wouldn't have been like that but remember this is nine year old logic yeah. um so next chapter is Bran Bran and it's I'm using the illustrated copy and it's got a hilarious drawing of Bran jumping from one rooftop to another. Um, we'll get into that when we um, get to this Bran chapter, but um, yeah, I showed this to Bill and he laughed. Um, yep. So you've got that to look forward to and um, thank you for listening to Cast It Into The Fire. Goodbye. Bye.